We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast for Week Eight of the NFL season. I am your host, John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. Mario, I feel like I ask you this every year. Uh, usually, get a very similar response, but I, I, I am required to ask once again because it is Halloween week. Have you watched any good scary movies this week to get you ready for spooky season? No, just just the dang news, John. Yeah, that's <laughs> spooky enough for me, fellas. Absolutely, yeah, um, yeah. That that's some NC seventeen level stuff. I watched the Evil Dead last week. That was pretty good, um, but I haven't really d- dug in too much other than you know my my traditional um, watching of Treehouse of Horror, uh, at least the first like ten or so of them. Yeah, I haven't tried to see any horror movies since I saw like five minutes of the ring when I was like 12. And uh, the, the one, ex- one of the few exceptions that was evil that that was what you just said, right? Mm-hmm. That was, um, it's kind of funny at least it, it was like so uh, ridiculous. It wasn't even spooky. So maybe I can get into that kind of thing, but uh, not the stuff where they actually try to scare you because I, I get scared by a lot of things. I don't, you don't need to try to scare me. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that, that's, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Evil Dead is just kind of like that that campy early '80s, just gory. But you know, apparently for its time, it was really ahead of the game for its uh, special effects. But really, like, you could not t- you could <laughs> not tell that. In, like in watching Terminator One uh, with with just like the sub NES graphics. <laughs> anyway, yeah, just beautiful, beautiful stuff there. But, but nowadays you get too good of, of a CGI, but not, a, not enough good storyline, in, in my opinion. So bring that back. Uh, it, you, know it, what, you know what else? This is not me trying to move the show along, but you know what else is spooky, John? Uh, the, Packers, the Packers wide receiver rotation. You know uh, what? You, that's a phenomenal transition, actually. So let's start there. We're going to get through every single game of this week. We, we fortunately uh, don't have the buy-mageddon that, that we did a week ago and. Of course, before we dive in, this show, of course, sponsored by our friends over at WinBet. But yes, Mario, give us the latest on on uh, the the ghouls going on in in, uh, in the Green Bay receiver room. 
so I don't claim to know everything that's going on with this, but uh, I followed it closely enough to get the gist of, you know, Devontae Adams probably out, Alan Lazard probably out. That, on some basis, I guess, was confirmed even further by, uh, I don't know, Rappaport or somebody just tweeted out that, oh, it's confirmed, now he's out. Um, I don't know what change, I don't know if any additional thing was determined before that. I, I just... I assumed he was out because I thought I thought that's the way everyone was talking about it. And if he's out and Lazard is out, you're down to name-wise Randall Cobb as the top receiver, but he's also kind of a slot specialist, so we don't really know how many outside reps he can give them. Uh, the outside reps might go first to Equinemia St. Brown, then Malik Taylor, or maybe they're kind of equals, something like that. Um, technically, there's a chance Marquez Valdez-Scantling could be activated from his hamstring injury, but... That seems like he would be at risk of maybe not much more than a decoy role. If that, uh, he's been out for five or six weeks and has not been able to practice. So the idea of him coming off the shelf uh, after, after sitting on it that long and just playing without a practice on a short week seems a little uh, desperate, but I guess we'll see how desperate they are. Right, yeah, it's, it's definitely a mess as far as that, that's concerned. And, and you know, the, the MVS detail... Um, especially when you consider, like you're saying, that the per- the personnel that Green Bay has, as far as replacing those outside reps is concerned, is really, really limited with, by virtue of at both Adams and Lazard being sidelined. So, I mean, how does Green Bay kind of adjust their game plan to, to make this work? I mean, do, do they just do they go heavy with Aaron Jones on, on Thursday night? Do, do we see Big Bob Tunyon get a little bit more involved? Do we even see my draft season crust Amari Rogers get some action? So Rodgers would, uh, and maybe he will play more, you know, but it, it, Cobb and him are kind of redundant. So it's, it's hard to tell, just as it's hard to tell how many reps Cobb can give them outside, it's tough to tell with Rodgers how many reps he can give them outside. He's a bit heavier. like He's, he's a slot guy, ideally, but he's like 5'9 and a half, 210. So he's definitely got like the mass to play outside, but things like threatening the boundary with his speed and, you know, uh, making a high point catch on the sideline that doesn't really suit him so that's why Malik Taylor might play ahead of him uh, Malik Taylor is obviously just a guy uh, probably should not be in your list of players to who can plausibly end up logging snaps in the offense like it's it's the Green Bay depth chart could be better than it is in other words uh, but because he's a taller guy uh, and because Rodgers is a shorter one, we might see Taylor get most of the outside reps. And as far as the other guys, you would imagine that Tunyon has to get involved here. And maybe maybe they even have him log a lot of wide receiver snaps because he actually played wide receiver at Indiana State, bulked up a bit, obviously. But he's a really good athlete. He's he's not like some, you know, just slow hulking target. He, he can actually threaten the seam pretty well. So Maybe they give somebody like Sternberger or DeGuara, who I don't know if Sternberger's on IR or something, but maybe Mercedes Lewis takes up like all the Tunyon snaps and Tunyon plays uh, 30 wide receiver snaps or something ridiculous like that. But um, interestingly, uh, I think anyway, LaFleur is one of those coaches who, uh, sooner than other coaches anyway, you would give the benefit of the doubt in a situation like this because this whole thing is coming up with novel play designs that are not things that most coaches would think of, um, but still get positive results so this is a spot for him to really show off what he's capable of because he's, he's going to need to be clever 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, working without a guy who you're counting on for like 30% of your target share and then, you know, his his opposite, both of them, I mean, it's going to be very shorthanded for, for Green Bay. And, you know, it's reflected in the line, of course, with, with Green Bay starting the week is like three point road dogs. And now now we're seeing it pretty much uh, six and a half everywhere on on the Cardinal side. It's not like they're entirely healthy either. Uh, J.J. Watt just got ruled out for the season, I believe, this morning. And then um, DeAndre Hopkins is expected to play, but but has obviously been limited this week and in the short week detail obviously kind of magnifies that a little bit. Again, uh, Adam Schefter reported just before we came on uh, that, that he's expected to play barring any setbacks uh, during pregame warmups, which we did have a pregame warmup setback last week with DPJ. And it felt very much like college DFS where (laughs) in the NFL, you know, if the guy's active, he's active, he's going to play like that. That's just kind of how it is. But no, we had the, the, the late scratch, everyone's scrambling to get DPJ out of their lineup. Were they even um, – were they doing the thing where they uh, pretend he's going to play? And then yes. They, 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 they reveal, they, like, they it checked. was a false DPJ. You've been Yeah, they, they, they checked all the boxes. It, you know, <laughs> it was like I, I get enough of that on Saturdays. Uh, I did not need that on my Thursday night NFL. You know? And when, uh, when Stefanski was pressed, did he simply offer uh, – He's got an ankle or something. Like that's, yeah, like, that's he, always the explanation. They just say the body part, and you just gotta go. Okay, thanks. Um, anyway, that uh, hopefully doesn't happen here. I'd be. Surprised. It, it's normally pretty dire when a guy does not practice at all. But Hopkins, he's in like that Julio Jones category, but he actually plays through it. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. get, he, knock on wood. To this point, he hasn't really gotten re-injured. So um, great setup for him. You would think a guy like him too could make it happen on a short week maybe better than some other guys just because Hopkins at the end of the day is just a guy who beats you at the catch point he doesn't really need to have a system device he, he goes and he just out rebounds you so uh he could really be a tough I mean he will be a tough cover for uh Eric Stokes Kevin King whoever is unfortunate enough to end up against him yeah absolutely and you raise a good point about about Hopkins's play style it's not like uh, you know Tyreek Hill playing on a gimpy hamstring, you know, where, where, you know, his trump card, the speed would, would be compromised a little bit. Um, as far as this Cardinals offense goes, the addition of Zach Ertz, we saw him have, a, have an impressive debut for the Cardinals a week ago. What does that do in your mind for some of these secondary options where it, it's, it's felt like one of Christian Kirk, AJ Green or Rondell Moore has been able to produce, but it, it's rare that all of them are able to produce uh, behind Hopkins. And I feel like Ertz might complicate that even further for managers on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, so the the Cardinals don't have anyone, and this is this is even including Hopkins, no one's really getting volume anymore. There's just extremely high efficiency, a lot of balance throughout the field, and that's not ideal for fantasy, but I think in real-life terms, this is just what an offense looks like when it's running perfectly, and, and it's everything's or everything they mean to do, they accomplish. And uh, until that stops being the case, they don't really have much reason to change. And adding Ertz, um, you know, I, I would have thought before this season, oh, that's that's kind of sketchy because he's going to run in the same part of the field that Christian Kirk and even Roundell Moore do. And that that might slightly be the case, but Christian Kirk has actually been such a killer downfield target from the slot. Like I thought he would be doing more like Texas A&M kind of workload where he's you know, getting 80 catches for 900 yards or something like that. And instead, his volume has been pretty low and his depth of target probably is as high as last year, maybe even higher. 
But because he's running against like slot corners and safeties, he's burning them over the seam instead of, uh, you know, getting jammed up outside like he usually did last year. Um, so Christian Kirk could keep being the slot receiver who, for some reason, has a downfield emphasis. And if he does, that still leaves room for Ertz. If anything, it would clear out room for Ertz because uh, you have ice, you have kind of like an ISO offense of, of just Hopkins on the left side, one-on-one with some guy, A.J. Green, one-on-one with some guy. Um, Christian Kirk in the slot, he might do some intermediate underneath stuff, but he's also going high. Uh, so he's taking the safety. Uh, Rondale Moore, if he's on the field, is taking a safety. Zach Ertz kind of just has the middle of the field because you, you're doubling Hopkins. You're probably trying to give some help to even A.J. Green if you are if you got a short corner over there. So there's all these just spots that they threaten you all the time. And as much as Ertz is convincing in the part that he runs, you can never as a defense uh, make him a, a focal point. You always have to kind of let them have that one. Yeah, that so that that just, you know, adds more uh, fuel to this offense that that has been, you know, electric to start the year, like you said, just kind of running um, at, at peak efficiency thus far. Let's move on over to Sunday's slate of games. Let's kick things off in Buffalo, where the Bills coming off the bye, facing off against the Dolphins, who um, had the miracle cover. I think that I attribute more of that to the Falcons, but uh, painful uh, for a lot of people, nonetheless, with, with the Falcons winning that one by by a cool two points on a two-and-a-half-point spread, still tilting off of that one. But anyway, this is a Miami team going up to a rested Buffalo team that, that obviously last time out lost it, lost their game against the Titans on that Monday nighter. I mean, the, the spread here is massive, 13-and-a-half for a division game. Uh, you know, the money line – Minus 833 for the Bills goes to show you that, you know, the, the expectancy here is that the Bills win this one comfortably. Um, but how, how are you approaching this game for, for fantasy purposes? Yeah, Dolphins are going to get killed. How it happens, a little tougher to figure out. The Bills do have a few different players who are pretty threatening in this spot. But I guess we might want to keep a little bit of an eye on the weather. Not that it's going to be um, a significant deal but it looks like it might be kind of drizzling in uh, sub-50 degree weather that day. So I'd say that's just enough, if so, that you start to give a little bit more benefit of the doubt to the, to the run games and to the kind of intermediate targets rather than the downfield ones. It's just slightly easier to have the ball slip or have somebody's foot go out from under them running downfield in conditions like that. So if we expect the Bills to win safely, and I certainly would, and we don't necessarily expect uh, you know the downfield targets to be quite as likely. Then could be a good spot for Dawson. Not- is Dawson Knox? How long is he? Is he out? He's he got out? the hand, so I don't think he's going to be ready by this week. Okay, but well, potentially by next week. I guess in two tight end leagues or whatever, you could be interested in Sweeney just because he's a tight end on a team that we expect to score a lot of points. Uh, but otherwise, could be a big game for Josh Allen as a runner. Could be a big game for both Zach Moss and Devin Singletary by their standards. Uh, Stefan Diggs is, you know, the constant. So, uh, I wouldn't let the weather affect the idea of him. Just, uh, I would, I would, I would expect the ground to take up a slightly bigger share of the bills offense than some other settings. Uh, if the weather trends that way. And then, you know, on the Miami side, I I don't know how much sample we have even dating (laughs) back to college uh, of Tua playing in adverse weather conditions either. So yeah, uh, this could get real sloppy on the Miami side. They kind of, uh, I don't know how they've, he's got seven passing touchdowns in the last two weeks. And I don't even think anything in particular about Tua at this point. It's the Dolphins that's the issue. It's like you look at that team, it's, this is a joke. They can't play. 
Like they can't do normal basic stuff. So uh, Tua could be bad in addition to that. So it, it could get pretty ugly here. Phil's defense seems to be at another level this year. And the Miami offensive line is a mess. So uh, adding Rousseau to that line that already would have been trouble for, for the for the Miami one. So just looks like it could just be a complete just disaster of a game for the Dolphins. Like I don't I don't know if the Bills I don't know if the, the Bills starters are gonna be in more than three quarters because it's just they the, the Dolphins can't do anything. I don't know, it's bizarre. Yeah, it really is. You know, they played the Falcons close, but that, that's certainly not really that applicable um, to going into Buffalo and, and testing them at all. I, st- I still kind of believe that the Bills are the class of the AFC. Let's get on over. Uh, another another barn burner expected. Now, this one will be popular in Survivor this week if you didn't use them a week ago. I'm talking about the Rams. They are traveling to Houston to face the Texans. 14 and a half point favorites are the Rams in this one. Obviously, you're green lighting the the normal Rams guys that, that you always would. Um, but anything in addition to that, that that we need to pay a little closer attention to because, you know, I, th- I think we're just going to see so many points hung up on the board by, by this Rams team. Yeah, I was surprised at how um, how interesting they made it against the Lions. I don't know if that means anything. Like it could have been that they were sort of being less aggressive than they could have been. And maybe that's why the game was closer. And maybe they do the same thing here with the, with the Texans. I almost wonder if they rather open it up more and just get the game done with sooner, because like, wouldn't it have been nicer to get uh, a scenario against the lions where you don't have to play Daryl Henderson all game and you don't have to give Cooper cup uh, 13 targets or whatever they did. It's like Cooper cups great, obviously, but that knee is always going to be a concern with him and they should try to, if possible, get wins against pushover opponents without overworking their crucial guys like that. So um, I, if I were them, I would try to get Deshaun Van Jefferson, I guess, whoever we need to make a big play over the top, make this a Sony Michelle game if possible. Um, So whether they do that or whether the Texans allow them to is a different question, I guess. But uh, if I were the Rams, I would make an especial effort to get a guy like Deshaun or Van Jefferson going here so I could give Cooper cup a, even even like Higby, it's like a guy like that could get hurt, and uh, the whole offense is is a little goofier all of a sudden. So uh, they should they should try to make this a quick game. Yeah, and I I expect that they will, and you know that I'll, I'll have to keep that in the back of my mind for for Sunday morning, set, setting some lineups, maybe get a little bit of Deshaun Jackson action there, and then uh, on Brandon the Houston, Cooks. You know, I, I don't know what's going on there. David Johnson might have to catch a lot of passes with Ingram out of there. Oh, so th- is that what his tweet was referring to? Oh, I assume so. I mean, he's he knows he's a th- – there are a few things he could be irritated about, I guess, but one of them being he's a borderline elite player wasting his time on a team that's not trying to compete and mm-hmm. is basically just holding him as like a – you know, like he's sitting in their savings account or something. So, uh, yeah, he's he's probably mad about a few things. I, I assume he's going to play through it. It's not like he's a, he's not going like full Brandon Marshall T.O. on them or anything, but uh, – I, I would if I were him. Like yeah, throw a fit, get traded. Yeah, I mean, it, this is his prime. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the injury concerns with, with him before. So, um, you know, you wish he wasn't languishing away on, on this uh, kind of joke of a team. Uh, our viewer, listener, Rexon has a question for you, Mario. Uh, essentially, it boils down to that uh, Rexon wants to get rid of either Tom Brady or Kyler 
to upgrade at receiver, which one would you try to hold on to for the rest of the season between Brady and Kyler? Well, unless, uh, I mean, in any case, I would have Murray ranked ahead of Brady. It's closer in six point per passing touchdown leagues than four. So maybe if it's a six point per passing touchdown league, you would sooner decide to keep Brady. But it's tough to answer that because the answer would be dependent on what you can actually get for either player too. It's like, that's, that's more the answer than uh, which quarterback it's like, what, what are we getting for either one? So uh, I don't know, but, but in six point per passing touchdown leagues, like Brady is surprisingly high up there having whatever 20, whatever he already does. Yeah. He he's crushing it. Um, I, I think moving forward, some people have been wondering about um, the, the Cardinals upcoming schedule that in the back half of the season, they've obviously had some, some fairly easy games to get things going. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of uh, schedule tiebreaker that you might want to include into your analysis there. Whereas, I mean, Tampa Bay's isn't easy. They, they've got um, a game at home against Buffalo at one point. They, they got to play the Giants aren't, aren't all that scary. They, they're obviously on the road against the Saints this week, um, but they do have Saints two more times. Uh, but they do also get a, a game against the Jets and, and the Falcons as well. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a bit of a toss-up. Uh, if you want to like crunch it by by way of the schedule the rest of the way, but I'm probably trying to move Brady and trying to hold on to Kyler. Um, let's get on over to another game here. We got Niners Bears, a perilously low 39 and a half total in this one with with the Niners coming in as three and a half point favorites. I mean, the Bears are just such a mess, but the I mean, the Niners showed that they're really. Uh, they're more 2020 than they are 2019 to, to be clear. Uh, you know, if you wanted to to paint last year as a, as a blip or, or a Super Bowl hangover, I think it, it's a little bit tougher to do that right now with, with how they're playing. And really they only have Debo Samuel as far as contributors on, on the passing game. Everything else is a mess. I, I don't know what the deal is with Brandon Ayuk, but you know, they were making, they were making a meal of it uh, during the broadcast on Sunday. Elijah Mitchell looks really good. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, the Bears are without Khalil Mack, aren't they? That could be. Uh, so that's a pretty big deal, especially going against a, t- a team with a uh, you know dubious passing game. It's like maybe – but also I thought I just saw something like Garopp, uh, Shanahan saying that Trey Lance's injury is still a problem, which also seems like it might be fake which adds another layer of just what is wrong with you, uh, Kyle, to, to all of this, because mm-hmm. uh, you would pretty, I think even still, even with Shanahan acting so bizarre, we, we would say the Bears, who uh, apparently have twice in the past two weeks set into the headset before the snap to Justin Fields that the defense has 12 men on the field, snap the ball, it's a free play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he acted accordingly in both cases, and at least one of them was an interception. So uh, that's just amazing. If so, I can't – I almost have trouble believing it. If it is true, then uh, I don't know how the Bears can beat anybody, um, even, as, even as stupid as the 49ers must be, uh, to, even as frustrating as it must be to be on that team right now. So uh, I, guess, I guess I defer to the 49ers and the fact that, you know, they got, they got a couple guys on the offensive line and Shanahan, despite his faults, can still play the X's and O's. Uh, I don't think Nagy can play the X's and O's. And if he did, it would, I mean, I don't, I don't know if the, that man is like 
mentally, emotionally present. Like, I don't, I don't know if he's experiencing a different uh, plane of existence and he's just like this empty vessel that goes to football games with a headset on right now because that, that stuff that Fields was saying and the, the thing about the OL coach having COVID and hanging out with Elijah Wilkinson is like, shouldn't that be an open and shut like COVID protocol breach where they, they get in serious trouble? Um, I don't know. The, the Bears just don't seem like they, I don't know. I don't know if they could, you know, do any particular kind of operation, let alone be the NFL football team. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where where the Niners might not be feeling too great about where they are, but, you know, they, they can look down the street at the Bears yard and say, well, you know, at least we don't have garbage littered everywhere. And, the, the you know, the we don't have like a trash fire going on in, in the driveway, that that kind of thing. Yeah. So Mitchell, Mitchell and Debo, I guess, is that's like those two should be present in this game and, and appear the way they normally do. And that's more than you can say for the Bears. Absolutely. Um, before we get on to our next game, we got a word from our sponsors at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we got a couple listener questions to, to unpack real quick here, Mario. So Slim74. He's five and two. Grab Trey Lance and and uh, Jeffrey Wilson. His two running backs on his bench are Elijah Mitchell and Michael Carter. He's got Burrow at quarterback, Zeke, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders. So he's obviously in pretty good shape. I, I don't know if this is just, a question. <laughs> I think he might just be flexing. In which case, uh, respect. You got your flex on the air. Um, our other listener, Connor, pick one of these guys. 
for PPR. You got Kenny Gainwell, Damian Williams, Tim Patrick, and Damian Harris. Uh, Harris, right? I don't even know who he's playing, but I think it's got to be Harris after last week. Yeah, uh, Patrick I, I in second, so I guess, but Harris. Yeah, and then uh, Rodgers or Cousins? Uh, Rodgers. Yep, I'm still on Rodgers as well. Um, you know, it, Kirk could be in, in pick six trouble uh, going up against Trevon Diggs this week. Um, all right, next game up, we got Bengals-Jets. We, we got a popular survivor pick th- this week. Now in, the, in those Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North leading Cincinnati Bengals, who had just an unbelievably impressive game, I thought, a week ago. You, you kind of got the sense when, when they had their two-minute drive at the end of the first half is like, Hmm. I don't think they're going to get stopped the rest of the game. And they didn't. They absolutely torched. Uh, Jamar Chase looked incredible. I thought T. Higgins looked phenomenal as well. Uh, not not quite as explosive, of course, but uh, as far as just like getting it done when given the opportunity, he looked great. Run game got it going late, obviously ran up um, a couple touchdowns to, to really drive home the point. And C.J. Uzama uh, with a couple of big touchdowns in that one. So um, I, I think we're we're past the point of questioning whether Jamar Chase is a fantasy wide receiver one the rest of the way and that this matchup against the Jets. So really, the the one thing you you haven't really nailed down yet is, is can you trust CJ Uzama for real? So I kind of have a lot of thoughts on the Bengals, but I I know they're they're playing very well. The defense is definitely good. The offense has certain clear things going for it, and. Uh, they're, they're a good team. I still think they're more like the Steelers from last year uh, than a, a real contender for, for 2021 just because Chase is great, yes, but I'm sorry. Even now, the, the numbers that he's got are, are just, after last week, uh, just totally unsustainable. And the Ravens got to get some of the credit for this too. Like they are the worst tackling team that I've – I don't know. I can't remember. I don't really keep a worst tackling team's – uh, of all time they hold the crown right now though absolutely certainly awesome. the, as far as i can remember and jamar chase is great going to be good going forward etc but he is not going to average 8.2 yards after the catch per catch uh that's that's gonna drop because plays like last week can't happen and like the the change up on darnell savage the week before it's like th- those are great plays and um they're plays like guys like burrow and chase can make that others can't but even they can't make it every time, and eventually it's gonna it's gonna regress a little. And Burrow, so to complete the the twenty twenty Steelers analogy, like I still don't think Burrow is quite right. Like I, I don't think he, he, I don't think his knee is quite right, but he's clearly good enough to manage it. And it's like the the Ben Roethlisberger part of that analogy is kind of backward, almost like Roethlisberger was just like a broken quarterback by last year. He's physically broken down. Uh, Burrow is, I think still healing so like in a year this this definitely wouldn't apply but for now i think with chase's yards after the catch per catch drops um if they don't get higgins going the way like he did last year oh and by the way uzoma like good player but yards after the catch same thing like those tackles are routine to make and they didn't make them so yeah he'll he'll run the distance on you because he's a big fast guy uh but if you make the tackle the scenario doesn't occur and it's like what happens to the bengals then what happens if chase gets tackled after the catch uzoma gets tackled after the catch like, do they still do they find a second way to make the same result, or do they kind of just hit a stalemate for a while? And I think so they it's will. Like they have like a five hundred Babbitt or something. To, to yeah, so it's like they're not going to just fold when the regression happens, but when it does, they'll look something 
different than what they have. They'll look like a team that needs to struggle to win as opposed to like last week, just totally, you know, blindsiding the Ravens. Um, they're a good team, but we just have to keep in mind. And also the defense isn't quite as good as the Steelers from last year. Very good defense though. Sure. So in any case, um, they're, they're looking really tough. And because the defense is as good as it is, they don't need Burrow to be as healthy as he will be a year from now. Like they, they can, they can pick up some of the slack for him. And in a game like this, obviously the, I mean, uh, white Mike is, is from, uh, from the wire taking over at quarterback for the jets. And, uh, I think he will probably be worse than Zach Wilson uh, as much as I'm not inclined to give Zach Wilson credit. So, uh, yeah, Samaj P Ryan, uh, second week in a row, I guess. Yeah, honestly, like it, yeah, garbage, there will be garbage time aplenty in that one in the Meadowlands. So yeah, Samaj P Ryan, keep him on your radar for DFS, maybe not for season long, but depends on your league, of course. All right, we got finally some competitive games here to, to get into. Titans traveling to Indianapolis to face the Colts. Colts one-point or two-point favorites at home. You know, these are two teams that, that I feel like have been playing better of late. Um, I don't know how much you can totally extrapolate for, from that Indianapolis win in, in the bomb cyclone atmospheric river that was going on in Santa Clara last week. And then uh, Tennessee really just kind of took the paint off the chiefs, but I, I think the chiefs will get to them at the end. They're in some pretty deep trouble as well, but nonetheless, I mean, the Titans have gotten two wins over two, at least we think very good AFC teams in recent weeks. How do you see this one shaking out? I still don't really believe in the Colts passing game. Like I will say Carson Wentz has started to shake the yips a little bit, which as much as I bash the guy, uh, that, that is his biggest problem. It's like he, he obviously is a strong-armed quarterback who can make some really good throws and he can run. Uh, he, he can do things when he's vaguely competent, but for the past two years or whatever, it's been pretty difficult to find that version of Carson Wentz because he psychs himself out so much, you, you know, as much as he does this, I want to start coach, I got to be the man coach, so as much as he does that. You can tell he doesn't even really believe in himself half the time that he's out there. But he's starting to look a little more like he does lately. Uh, I don't think that he necessarily has good reason to believe it, uh, or at least more th- not any more than he did before, because that uh, that Ravens game was mostly the bad Ravens defense. You know, Pittman making a catch over Averett that Averett could have turned and intercepted, or at the very least not interfered with, and still failed to break up the way he did. Uh, the touchdown against Drake Kirkpatrick. It's like that's a good read by Wentz. He placed it in the right spot. Pittman made the play that he needed to, but that's a play that. Auden Tate would have made, you know, it's like it's 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 a good play. They seized the opportunity that was there. But when will you give Michael Pittman credit? I <laughs> am giving him some. And the, part of the frustrating with, thing with that one too is like I always said he was good. I said he's not better than T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell, who are both hurt. Uh, so if someone had said like, "What do you think about Pittman this year?" Keep in mind, T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell will not play. I'd say in that case, oh. Yeah, he's probably going to get like 10 targets a game then if those two are out. Uh, so, yeah, I, he looks good. Um, and the usage is there just as importantly, maybe more importantly. So this this should be a good spot for him because Tennessee's secondary without Christian Fulton doesn't have a whole lot. And the Colts don't have anywhere else to throw the ball except, I guess, Mo Cox and uh, Jonathan Taylor. So those guys all look good. I mean, Mo Cox can still be like a top eight fantasy tight end if Frank Reich stops using players who are worse than him. But I wouldn't assume that that's going to happen. I would assume we're going to still keep seeing things like Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines playing in a situation where they really should give Jonathan Taylor the ball instead. And you're going to see Jack Doyle and Kylan Granson sort of 
watching the ball skip past their feet on an eight yard out where they don't get open because Frank Reich said it's, they got to play. It's Moe's had two snaps. He he's, he's had his turn. You got to get Kylan Granson out there. Frank Reich is, does not have a good enough team to be pulling that crap. So, uh, you know, he's, he's only gotten slightly burned. He got burned against the Ravens. Worked out fine for him last week. But if he keeps it up, a team like the Titans, even on the road, I would take the win. So let's uh, let's open that up a little bit on the, on the Titans side. Obviously, A.J. Brown got going a little bit last week. Derrick Henry bottled up by Derrick Henry standards, but, you know, was still an impactful player in that game. Are we starting to see something? I, I, was, I was thinking about this. Remember when the Titans got hot two seasons ago and like it felt like Ryan Tannehill just kind of became this new guy, uh, you know, the, the one that, that I think most people attribute him to be at this stage. Do we think that the Titans have a similar level of just hot streak here coming into the second half of the season incoming or, or have they just been a little bit fortunate or, or getting a little bit too much credit of late? Well, I'm probably more of a, Tannehill skeptic than most people and yet even I coming into this year thought oh well of course if you have AJ Brown and Julio Jones at receiver you're going to move the ball like I don't even need to believe Tannehill's good to, to think that he had a couple low points earlier in the year where I started to worry you know it's a huge missed opportunity to not get a good game against the Cardinals in week one not get a good game against the Seahawks their defense sucks um, so Tannehill has been legitimately bad but is the the longer he's playing with AJ Brown and Julio Jones on the field at the same time, the less plausible it is that that however bad he might be, it would still you know tank his box score. It's like the more he plays with receivers like that, the more they will lift him up as the sample increases. So um, I still think that I, I still don't think it matters how bad Tannehill is, and if AJ Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry are on the field, this should be a really challenging offense for even the best defense in the league. Okay, so we, we like the Titans in this spot then? I do. I do. I want to say there is a way that the Colts could make it closer. And like if I, if I had an assurance that Jonathan Taylor would get 70% of the snaps and Mo Ali Cox would get 70% of the snaps, I'd change my mind. But uh, Titans. Yeah, you don't, that assurance uh, d- does not exist. And therefore, uh, the, the Frank Reich factor drives us to Tennessee. Uh, before we get on to our next game, we've got a word from our friends over at WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire. It's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. We also got a message from our friends over at Yahoo. The new NFL season is underway, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contests now being shark-free. 
to celebrate the beginning of football season and Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark free. Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 in contest contest entry credit offer to join Yahoo's biggest contest. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS Football Contest Live. The $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship Live Finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 offer and to get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome. All right, pushing onward, we got a division, another divisional tilt here. We got the Browns playing host to the Steelers. Steelers coming off the bye. Browns have a, a bit of a, a long layoff as well, having played last Thursday in a game that I, I want to flesh from my memory, even though the, the Broncos did get that backdoor cover in that one. How do you see this one shaking out? I, I think Nick Chubb should be back, but the Browns are still a little bit the walking wounded on, on the offensive side. Yeah. Um, I think I'm a little higher on the Steelers than most people, or maybe not most people. Apparently the the highest volume of bets is on the Steelers, like 56% the spread anyway. Uh, it could be just a, a, you know, people bet the Steelers. Uh, like they always do regardless you know like, the, oh, like okay. they just pull more action they're like the cowboys okay well in any case i the, the spread has gotten bigger 3.5 is up from three so that so the browns are uh pulling away even with slightly less betting volume on them uh i would be on the steelers betting side of that and maybe wrongly so but if case keenum i don't know maybe it's an error in thinking that uh Case Keenum's actually worse than Baker Mayfield because he might not be. Uh, they're both just kind of fine. Don't really change the line that much, probably. Uh, but I still think the Steelers are much better coached than the Browns. And Roethlisberger, uh, he's he's toast physically, obviously, but he still is wily. He still is very smart as a quarterback. Think uh, if Najee Harris can kind of keep the ground game element as a stalemate, the field, you know, kind of anchor the field positioning a bit for, for Pittsburgh and, and reduce the exposure that Roethlisberger has to take on, then I think he can do enough and they shouldn't need to take on that much exposure for Roethlisberger because the, the Browns, uh, I doubt, will score that many points uh, on their for their own part. So uh, I think it could be a pretty ugly game. I definitely expect the Steelers' defense to show up big time. Uh, I don't think it's like Mike Tomlin to, to show up flat in a setting like this. And he's one of those guys that players will always go 100% for. Yeah, I, I'm on the Steelers this week as well. So I, I see them going up to, to Cleveland and the, at the very least uh, losing by a field goal or less. And I, I could definitely see them winning, especially if it's Case Keenum or one-armed Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I just don't think that that feels like a, a recipe for success. They, they, I mean, they got it done against the Broncos and credit to them, but the Broncos had a lot to do with that oh, yeah. um, in their in their own right. The Broncos a mess right now um all right let's get into what is arguably this week's toilet bowl we got the eagles traveling to detroit to face the lions eagles giving three and a half i can't trust them with any points that's fair i have trouble thinking this one through because of uh the fact that both of these teams are in so much transition right now like they're Mm -hmm. going to 
they're, they're going to look so different a year from now, and it's it's largely because they're going to look so weird in the meantime. I uh, I think I'd have to – oh, man, I don't know. I can't – so DeAndre Swift is awesome. I guess we can say him and Hawkinson, they're going to they're gonna do some amount of good, and they could be a substantial issue for the, the Eagles' defense because their linebackers are not good. So could be tough to account for those two. They don't really have a big slot defender. Like they can't leave Avante Maddox on uh, DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson, and yet it might kind of end up happening a few times. So there's ways that the Lions can cover for the fact that Jared Goff is just the worst. Uh, Jalen Hurts might not be so great himself, but he's definitely better than Goff. And uh, I don't know. The, the, the Lions have such poor secondary personnel, if only due to injuries. I, I think on, on the, the indoor track, Deon, um, Devontae Smith uh, should put on a route running clinic here. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that as well. But um, in the end, I just – the Eagles, I've lost – any semblance of confidence in That's them, fair. even against the Lions. So on the on the road, um, I'll just take the points here and, and kind of hold my nose, and and uh, we'll press forward. Uh, let's go Panthers Falcons. The Panthers, uh, real Jekyll and Hyde act, you know, to bring bring in more spookiness uh, because they were they started the year well. Obviously, in hindsight, you look at that and you wonder why, and you see that they played the Texans and the Jets, and they got uh, a home game against the Saints. They've been pretty terrible of late, and they got stomped by the Giants. Like you can lose to the Giants, and it's not the worst thing in the world, but to get pasted by the Giants the way that they did, I, I thought was pretty eye-opening. And obviously, Sam Darnold gets benched um, in the mix of the in the midst of that mess that was being made in the Meadowlands. So, can you trust the the Falcons here? They've been, you know, as I tweeted on Sunday, they they're a menace to betters everywhere, but. How do you feel about this game? I do prefer the Falcons side. I I think that the Panthers, I don't know. They, they have certain parts of the defense that can be good. Phil Snow, I think, as a defensive coordinator, is pretty good. They've got some good players on defense. On offense, however, I think they're almost a true zero right now. Aside from DJ Moore, they're a true zero because – and I, I don't even know how much I – how much and on what basis I distribute the blame because – Darnold's obviously bad. He's not good. But I don't think he's as bad as the production has been. I think things have been made worse. Offensive line, probably. that like That's probably pretty bad. Not helping. But it really is insane the way that they're using Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall in this offense. I cannot believe. And I never would have... I never would have had any optimism for the Panthers offense if I knew that all year they really were going to just try to make Terrace Marshall play the exact same role that Curtis Samuel did last year. I just... Uh, wrongly took the leap of faith that, oh, they'll reformat it some, somewhat. They'll uh, you know be pragmatic about this and suit the a, a combination of routes to Terrace Marshall's strength. If he's going to run from the slot, they're going to run different routes than Curtis Samuel. It'll work. That's not true. And they're using Rob, Robbie Anderson, I think, in hindsight, too. I think he's a good player. But last year, as well as it worked out, the way they used him underneath and even in the slot, that turned out to be something like a 99th percentile outcome for him. And he shouldn't have been exposed to the extent that he has been underneath. He should have been running downfield more like with the Jets. He's a 6'3", 180 receiver. He's too skinny to be in traffic all the time uh, unless he's Devontae Smith, and he isn't. So they should send Terrace Marshall outside and downfield, or at the least, very least, downfield. Not like Curtis Samuel last year. He's just not that guy. 
and they should have used DJ Moore in the slot, Robbie Anderson Moore outside. Until those things change, I don't think anything will happen here except for DJ Moore's occasional flickers of, you know, just just being like the borderline transcendent talent involved. Like he can overplay, overcome circumstances like this. No one else can on that offense. So in summation, Terrace Marshall, you're not that guy, pal. I think he would be good outside, but it's it's preposterous. He's like a he's like six three two hundred, and they're trying to make him play like Curtis Samuel last year, running like seven yard average up the target, uh, doing everything after the catch. That's not who he is. It's he cannot be that player, and I, I really think he's so far out of position playing there that it uh, as bad as Darnold has been, I don't know how many quarterbacks could make it work in this offense right now. Yeah, it's tough, and then you know you don't have like the automatic dump off production to, to McCaffrey or anything that, that just kind of makes things a little bit easier on that offense. So um, it's, it's tough times in Carolina right now. And then on, on the Atlanta side of things, it feels like at the very least their offense is starting to wake up um, pits two weeks in a row, one with and one without Calvin Ridley uh, being able to produce the way that he has. It looks like he's going to start returning value on, on even oh, yeah. the, the more um, aggressive ADP, you know, late, late draft season. If you got them in the fourth round, I think you're still feeling great about that, especially with landmines like Waller, maybe even Kelsey, you could argue. And, and Pitts and could Kittle, be the top tight end. Yeah, honestly. So it, it's crazy. Uh, I'm glad that it, that it's happened this quickly. We were kind of forecasting that it would, and uh, here we are. So just buckle up for the rest of the season. So I think, I think the Falcons offense can just kind of outscore um, the, the Panthers. I don't think the Panthers can do enough to, to um, make the most of those inefficiencies on that Falcons defense. So give me the Falcons here, even if they are just uh, a menace to, to betting society. Um, let's go Patriots Chargers. Chargers four and a half point favorites coming off the bye. They're at home. Patriots coming across the country. How do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, I, I guess most people see it this way, but I like the Chargers. I don't think uh, I don't think Mac Jones is going to be bad or anything, but I do think he's closer to bad right now than good. And even if he weren't, even if he were good for his own part in the meantime, I, I think the Patriots receivers suck, and I can't believe what a bad job they did this offseason. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is he's fine; he can do some stuff, but. They aren't even using him like they used, or like the Raiders used Aguilar last year when he finally broke out. He was playing outside, downfield last year. They're using him in the slot like the Eagles did. It's like he sucks there, not because he played for the Eagles in green jerseys make him bad or, or, or black and silver ones magically make him good. He played a different position for the Raiders, and you're putting him back at the one that he was never good at. Mac Jones, I think, needs a receiver advantage, at least two spots, maybe three, something more analogous to the scenario that he did at Alabama. And once he get once he's in a scenario like that, maybe we'll see how good he can be. But right now, I don't think he's effective. I think this Chargers defense is good, uh, would be a problem for quarterbacks better than Jones. And I think that uh, if Herbert and if, if I guess if Williams is able to do what he was doing before the injury, mm-hmm. I think Herbert can just kind of put the chokehold on them here. Yeah, I, I tend to agree on on all fronts there. Um, you know, the, the Patriots. You can't really just double count them beating up on, on a Jets team like, like they did a week ago. I think that this is a totally different story, especially with, with the Rams or I'm sorry, the Chargers coming off the bye. So I like the Chargers to, to win this one and to cover as well. We got a couple questions here, Mario. A couple of the same one, in fact. So Rex and X asked it first, so they get the display. Edmonds or Jacobs and PPR rest of season? 
Um, I would say Jacob's rest of season, just because he has a certain scenario where he could get, you know, 20 carries and three catches in a game. Whereas Edmonds is, he's going to be good and he'll get by on his efficiency, but he needs to get by on his efficiency. There will never be the volume in play. Right. So the, I think floor play, uh, Jacobs as well. Um, and then quick one, Got a couple Bama guys to talk about. Jerry Judy coming off the injury. Um, it, I'm not sure if it's confirmed that he's playing or Devontae Smith. I, I think you wait a week on Judy and go. Yeah, I'd go with Devontae because playing against those Lions corners, that, that should be a pretty easy matchup for him. Yeah, I, I think so as well. Uh, one last one here. Can uh, our friend Charlie here drop Will Fuller, Hardman, MBS or Van Jefferson trying to trying to get the uh, Bengals defense. So who's droppable of, of that group? I think Man, so, sorry, I have to. Is Fuller? Do we know where he is? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what his deal is. Uh, I would like Fuller somewhat if he's on the field, but in the meantime, I would um, I don't know either him or I guess MVS just because I don't know. One of those two isn't doing a whole lot. I think Hardman at least is going to have to keep running routes for the Chiefs. Yeah, so that 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 I think is is what carries it to uh, to holding on to Hardman of that group. But I, I do think that uh, either Fuller or MBS probably droppable. And then Van Jefferson, you just you hold on to that exposure in the Rams offense, and maybe something else happens. Yeah, you could drop him too. I don't really feel strongly about it, but he gives you a definite something. Uh, whereas the other guys are more speculative. I think. Absolutely. And, you know, how, how late do you want to hang on to spec guys, you know, heading into the into the second half of the season? Uh, before we get to our last grouping of games here, we got a message from our friends over at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guaranteed contests each week this NFL season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you get that free RotoWire subscription. First, you visit rotowire.com/thrive. That's rotowire.com/thrive. Deposit a minimum of ten dollars and receive a one hundred percent deposit bonus up to hundred dollars. Play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. That's over at Thrive Fantasy. And again, you can get the more details over at rotowire.com slash thrive all right we got handful of games to run through here so we'll just go quick we got jags heading out to seattle to face the seahawks um obviously that there there's no expectation that wilson will be ready to go yet uh, even if he is maybe a little bit ahead of schedule that's reflected in the seahawks only being favored by three three and a half points against this jaguars team at home um this is probably a game to stay away from because i'm uh intrigued i'm disturbingly intrigued by this game i I don't know why i mean i mean the the why is both defenses are terrible and i wonder is this is this a setting where the defenses are so bad that even you know rookie trevor lawrence with a crap team uh geno smith you know just general goofball not a great team backing him up either can they make it work anyway because the defenses are so bad like dk uh metcalf's gonna go uh tyler lockett i think in this setting like I was worried about him with Gino against some tougher defenses against this one. Gino can hit the target Lockett will be so open sometimes. I think so. I really like this game to be kind of high scoring. Uh, Cause I, I definitely believe Trevor will arrive at some point and it'll be one of those things like he'll get there and it, it won't have been something we all gathered around in anticipation of it'll just be kind of like it'll blindside us how good he looks all of a sudden one day. 
And um, against the Seahawks, I don't think you even need to be that good. It's like their defense is just crap. So uh, yeah. I like uh, Jamal Agnew, I guess, running from the slot. Seems like he's going to get a lot of work. Uh, a little lower on LaVisca, but I think this this could be a, a game where Lawrence gets a lot of guys going, Robinson gets going, it all kind of works. And the Jags, I mean, they'll let anybody throw on them. Yep. So that this uh this suddenly I have a lot more interest in the in this game, you know, with, with the it, sicko the at the window trash thing. game stamp of yeah. approval. Uh, for... yes. yes, that's that's me watching um, uh, all right, let's... Smith. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh man, when he almost had the safety on Monday night, I, I about lost it. Um all right. We don't we don't need to spend a ton of time on this one here. Football team heading out to Denver to face the Broncos. Broncos three point favorites. Uh, yeah, Washington's just too goofy. I think Denver ground game carries them. Okay, let's move on. Now we got a, a more interesting game. We got the Bucks Saints. Bucks five and a half point favorites on the road. Have not covered on the road yet this season, so that's five and a half points against a divisional opponent. But then again, I think after really watching the Saints on Monday night and and having them scratch and claw their way to an ugly win against the Geno Smith led Seattle team. And the way the Bucs are just kind of laying waste to everybody right now, I got to go Bucks. I kind of like the Saints, at least if, if the Tampa secondary is still beat up at this point. I think, um, you know, Traquan's not going to keep missing everything. Some, something's going to happen in there eventually. Callaway's giving them kind of the mid-range results. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think uh, Sean Payton's dangerous in a spot like this. Sorry, folks, we ran into a little bit of a technical difficulty there at the end of the stream, so we are going to wrap up the episode here. Again, for Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by WinBet.